Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go today to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. I, uh, there's something that you can uh, put down on your calendar uh, for the month of October uh, this year. Uh, Reverend Jesse Duplantis will be with us. And so uh, we're excited about that. Hallelujah. Just got word from him the other day that he will be with us in uh, the uh, Little Rock location. And, uh, but that means he'll be here too because uh, we'll, be, we'll be streaming it here as well. So we're excited about him being a part of uh, what God's doing in our ministry. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Most Christians are ignorant of spiritual things. Most believers that you encounter are, are very ignorant of spiritual things. And um, that's not an indictment. That's not a, a, a slam against them. It's just that most believers that you will encounter are somewhat ignorant of spiritual things. And for many, the greatest area of ignorance is uh, where their authority is concerned. Now, when I say authority, I know our minds can go directly to the authority of the believer and these different things, and that's not wrong. But for, for many, for most of them, for the, the, the greatest area of ignorance is where their authority is concerned and the operation of it. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and notice what he says. He says, beginning in verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. Notice, neither give place to the devil. Hallelujah. Now, Paul's writing believers, and the first thing he says to them is not to lie to each other. Now, you would think, would you have to write believers and tell them not to lie? Evidently, he did. Because why? Evidently, they were lying. Right? And then he said, notice the second thing, be angry and don't sin. And for believers, now most of the time people take this out of its setting and use it for men and women in, in the marriage setting. Well, you know, husbands and wives aren't supposed to let the wrath, sun go down on the wrath. Well, that's true, but this is, this is not talking to husbands and wives. It's talking to the church. And he says, be angry, don't sin, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Then what's the next phrase? Neither give place to the devil. Don't give place to the slanderer. Don't give place to the adversary. You have enough challenges in your life without giving the adversary a door into your life.
You have enough issues without giving the adversary a door into your life. Amen. And so that's why he states, this is why this is important. Don't give place to the devil. The Roosh Bible says, and stop giving an occasion for acting or an opportunity to the devil. So that tells me something. He says, stop giving him this occasion to act. That means I can stop it. And it tells me he's looking for an opportunity to act out in my life. And notice what he said. Stop giving it. So that means if I have been, I can stop it. Oh, tell your neighbor, say, if he has been, you can stop it. Tell him one more time. Say, if he has been, you can stop it. Glory to God. Oh, this is important. The NEB, the Nebraska version. No, not really. New, <laughs> new, new English version. <laughs> What's that verse saying the, in the Nebraska version? Don't shuck your corn while the sun's going down. No, it says... <laughs> Hallelujah. With your pants on. Amen. It says, leave no loophole for the devil. Leave no loophole for the devil. The Phillips translation says, don't give the devil that sort of foothold. Now notice, there's two things you got to see here. I have the ability to stop it, but I'm also the one that gives it. I give him the opportunity but I can stop the opportunity. Glory to God. That's good gospel news. Amen? So Paul says that the devil, that there is a devil, and he's looking for an occasion to act against us. Now, I know religion talks about the devil in terms of, well, you know, the old devil's out and he's prowling around. Boy, you better watch out for him. Your mindset should be, he better watch out for me. Now, that needs to be the mindset. But a person with that mindset is shutting doors, closing loopholes. My home is very well protected, but I don't go to bed at night with the doors unlocked thinking, I'm, my home's protected. I'm here. Everything's all right. No, it's not, because I'm going to be asleep. And if the doors open and a thief comes in, my father one time, there was a rash of burglaries in Florida where they lived, and uh, uh, they were calling this guy the cat burglar, and people were kind of making light of him. That guy got in my parents' house and rifled through things in their bedroom and they slept through it. Now, to hear my dad talk, now dad's in heaven now, but to hear him talk then, well, bless God, nobody can do that to me. He did it. He did it. 
Why? Because the thief doesn't come in your house and run into the wall and knock the chair over and make, right? He's a thief. He realizes that he's somewhere he's not supposed to be. And if the owner wakes up, there will be a problem. So that's why every night you go around your home and you lock the doors and you may set the alarm. Amen. You know where your little friend's at or your big friend, right? But you know where they're at. You have them strategically placed because that's your home and no one that doesn't have a right or a reason to be there is going to have an easy time if they show up. Is that right? But notice, who keeps the door locked? Right? I laugh. I hear people say, well, I wish we had. You know, I remember back in my day, we didn't lock doors. I know, but we're not in your day no more. We're in this day. We are in a time. Listen, we are in a time that the enemy is after the plan of God for people's lives like he has never been after it before. He is at, listen, he is after your plan that God has for your life. He's not playing a game. The, the enemy does something that a lot of believers don't do. He plays for keeps. He plays to not make it hard on you, but to destroy you. He plays to destroy your life, your reputation, the plan of God for your life. And, and you don't just overcome by saying, well, I've got the victory. I have authority in Jesus' name. The enemy doesn't play like that. I'm not making much of him. I'm telling you, that's your adversary. Is that right? And Paul says, oh, glory. Glory. That he's looking for a loophole or a foothold. And he also tells us we can deny him that access. It's, it's my choice. Don't give place. Hallelujah. So as believers, we have to understand that one of his main tools is deception. And if he's going to exert any authority in a believer's life, he's got to keep them in ignorance. And in order to do that, he's got to deceive them. Amen. Deception, let's go to 1 Timothy. Deception was his tool from the beginning. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Oh, glory. And uh, verse 14, <clears throat> it says, And Adam was not deceived. Now, I've heard men preach that and say, See there, we weren't deceived. No, we just walked into it with eyes wide open. We just took the fruit on purpose. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. In other words, she started the thing. But notice, notice the phrase, she was deceived. Can you show me that from the Amplified Bible, please? Notice this. 
this, this is so important where what we're talking about is concerned. It was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman who was deceived and deluded and fell into transgression. How did he get her to fall into transgression? He deceived her and deluded her. Is that right? He deceived her and deluded her. He had to deceive her, so he had to delude the thinking. That word delude means to mislead. It means to, uh, uh, to mislead the mind or the judgment of. The deception came many ways. The deception came through, look at the fruit that God doesn't want you to eat of. Look how good it looks. Look how wonderful. Don't, can't you imagine how, much it ta- how well it tastes? And oh, also, God's hiding something from you. Deception and delusion. Right? Amen. And deception has to do with the mind. Now, we can teach great messages on what Adam should have done. That failure is in the Bible for a reason. It's to tell us how the enemy works. God said this, right? But he's going to come with deception and say, you need to do this. God said this, but God's hiding something from you. That's deception. Nobody has the ability to shut that door but me. Glory to God. In uh, 2 Corinthians 11, and verse 3, Paul's writing, Paul is writing to the most spiritual church in the New Testament. They have more gifts of the Spirit in operation. They have more miracles. They have more signs. They have more wonders. They have been partners with Paul his entire ministry. And yet, when you read through 1 and 2 Corinthians, they have a guy that's living in sin with his stepmother. How many know that's deception? Hallelujah. Right? But they, and what Paul say? He said, you're, you're not even ashamed of this. And now here he writes to them in 2 Corinthians 11 and 3, He said, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Hmm. As the serpent beguiled Eve, that word means to deceive or to seduce completely. And he did this through his subtlety, his craftiness, his cunningness, his trickery. Hallelujah. The word also means this, readiness to do anything. I I need you to see this today. There's nothing that the devil considers off limits. What's the Bible say he'll do in John 10, 10? What's it say that he comes to? Jesus said he came to steal, 
to kill and to destroy adults. Just adults? Kids. Just, just men. Women. Right? Just white folks. Black folks. Hispanic folks. What, what's his mode of operation against everybody? Steal, kill, and destroy. Nothing's off limits. Nobody is off limits. Oh, Pastor, I don't like this too much yet. Well, hold on. See, nothing's off limits. You can be anointed and appointed and called, and you are not off limits. You are not off limits. And you are capable of giving your mind to his deceit and his trickery if I don't keep the door shut. Oh, glory. This lets us know, again, there's nothing the enemy won't do. He'll lie. He'll cheat. He'll twist the facts to you in order to reach his ultimate goal, which is what? Deception and destruction. That's his ultimate goal. That's why Jesus warned us in Matthew 12 and Luke 11. He said, he said you need to be careful because, uh, just to paraphrase it, he said, there are things that you have been freed from that you can open the door back to if you don't keep the door shut. Amen? Look at, uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians 4. And uh, verse 3. If our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Blind the minds. That means to darken the perception. To darken the perception. So he don't have to change your mind about something. He just has to darken the way you see it. He just has to obscure the perception. Do you see this? Just has to obscure the perception. I was dealing with a minister one time, and he's no longer a minister, but he was a minister then, very close to me. And he called me and told me some things that he was going to get involved in. I was mowing the yard. Actually, I was mowing the yard one day, and the Lord told me what he was doing. And so I met with him, had lunch with him, and I was talking to him. And uh, he began to tell me what he was getting involved in. And I asked him a question. I said, how do you think that something that destroyed your life one time is now going to help you? Right? See, he, he got involved in medical marijuana. A preacher. And I said, how do you think that the very thing that destroyed your life one time is now going to be of some service? 
Well, you just don't understand. Hmm. No, I understand you're deceived. He said, is that what you told him? Exactly what I told him. I understand you're deceived. Your mind, your, your perception is being obscured. Well, pastor, I would never do that. Well, you never do that. But it comes in other forms. Oh, hallelujah. It comes in other forms. Now think about it. Here's a person with a call. Here's a person with an anointing. Here's a person with a church. Here's a person that has people looking to them. And the enemy worked on them over a year. Are you following me? Now, how is that? Well, they didn't know the word. They did too. They knew the word. They didn't know their authority. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Well, you know, they weren't as anointed. The very anointed, very anointed. Heard them preach, and that anointing would come on them, and boy, they could preach. Amen. But there was a door open. That, that loophole wasn't closed. See, the enemy tries to sneak in through areas that you don't think are any big deal. I'm not watching that area. Or he'll go through the same door that's the often used path because it's easy access. Mm. Hallelujah. He will always take the pathway of least resistance. Always. If, if he can find a way where a person's dealing with something and it's always been an issue for them, and he knows I can get in there, that's, that's the way he'll go. The enemy has a satanic cunning. He's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but he's got a satanic cunning. He will never attack your strength. Right? But what's he doing? He's roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. I studied that in depth, and one time, he's probing the defenses. That's why a thought, right? A thought will come to your mind. Take, take it, for instance, where your healing is concerned, your physical health. You, you get up in the morning, you got a headache. And the enemy will say something like, you got a tumor. And you go, no, I don't have a tumor. In the name of Jesus, I'm redeemed from tumors. Oh, okay. But then you'll flip the chart. Oh, you got migraines. No, I don't have migraines. I'm redeemed from migraines. Then he'll flip the chart. You got allergies. No, I don't have allergies. I'm redeemed. He'll flip the chart again. You got sinus problems. That's it. I'm not saying you're wrong if you got sinuses. I'm saying I'm trying to show you how he works. Started with a tumor. You wouldn't take it. He kept going down the list till he got you to take something. Because if I'll take that, he can start working on this. If I'll let him in here, he can start working on the other thing. See, you got to understand this. He's not just after your emotions. He's after your life. He's not just after your ministry. He's after your family. He's not just after your physical life. 
He wants your reputation. He wants everything that you hold. That's, that's what the enemy is, is, is after. Amen. And, 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 and when I see people opening doors, it concerns me. Do you know what's hunting you? Hallelujah. Now, glory. So the God of this world obscures people's perception through their minds. Non-believers or believers? Amen. I had a lady that got mad and left the church because I said abortion was a sin. Actually, I blame that one on my wife. My wife said it. (laughs) And you say, well, pastor, that's a given. Well, I know, but this is a Christian. This is a person that was singing on our praise team. Not here. They were singing on our praise team. And yet we started talking about the platforms that you stand on and went through the Scriptures showing where abortion is murder. And this God-fearing, speaking in tongues, singing sister left the church because she believed abortion was a good thing. Those were her words. I would never think that. You would never think that. Why did it, where, how did she get to that? Obscuring the perception. I had a man get mad and leave the church because I don't believe the earth's flat. Now, if you believe that, that's, uh, listen, I'm not making fun of anybody that believes that. But I'm saying, if you believe that, you have a right to believe that. I'm not going to run you down or be ugly about it. I'm not. I don't believe that. If I get to heaven and it was flat the whole time, praise God, I missed it. But I'm in heaven. It doesn't matter. What I'm saying is the enemy used that to pull a person away from the word that had changed their life. Are you following me? Right? There's no reason for How did that happen? The perception was obscured. You see that? So important. How did that happen? Both people spirit-filled. Both people wouldn't lie to you. Right? They would help you in anything you needed help with. But yet, you hit that area where the enemy has a loophole, and he uses that to pull them away from the Word. To my knowledge, neither of those people are in church. So not only did he get them away from the Word, he got them away from the body. Do you see this? Recognize his plan. The devil's plan is not just to make it hard on us. It's to move us away. Amen. Anyone who has the obscurity taken from their minds, notice, will be saved. Now, this is important because if he can't stop you from being saved, there's nothing he can stop you from doing. Amen. He can't steal from you. He can't make you sick. You hear me? He can't destroy ministries. 
or kill anybody, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about facing a challenge physically. I'm talking about the devil can't just come put something on you and kill you if I don't cooperate. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm not going to cooperate. Tell him, say, I'm not going to cooperate. Tell him one more time, I'm not going to cooperate. You know, there's, there's been a lot in the news lately about ministers falling. I've never seen so many ministers falling. But the Lord told us two years ago, he said, you're going you're gonna to see ministers of high position that are they're, they're going to fall, and you're going to go, how did that happen? And, and I'm watching it. And, and I watched the doors that were open. I'm just going to say this straight up because we're family. What business does a minister have drinking? None. Zero. Zero. What business does a Christian have drinking? Zero. None. None. Zero. I just like wine coolers. You better put them down. Zero. The standards for the deacon in Timothy and Titus was that they are not given to wine. Now, would God put a standard on a leader that he wouldn't put on you? Well, I just believe as long as it's not in excess. Well, excess varies for the different person. That's an excuse. That's an excuse to go drink. Well, it got quiet in this Presbyterian church. I'm, I'm using this as an example. One of the ministers that fell, one of the ministers that fell into sin and had to resign. Well, you know what one of the problems was? He was at their international conference with his friends drinking. And he got up to his room and was so inebriated he couldn't get in his room. So he went next door to the lady's room and she let him in. And they were together in her room for 40 minutes. Here's the problem. Well, did they do anything? They can't remember. They were drunk. Hallelujah. Now, is it any wonder that the enemy can get in there and put a stain on that ministry? Well, God forgives. I know God forgives. But how many people are now hurt? If you don't care about you, care about the people around you. How many people are now hurt? How many people got saved under that ministry and now think it's fake? What if he would have just said no to alcohol? Y'all all right with this? What if he would have just said no? What if he would have kept that door shut? I remember the year. I remember the year. This person was the head of the, of the Assembly of God in the country that they are a part of. And I remember the year that the ministers in the Assembly of God denomination in that country voted that their pastors could start drinking alcohol within limits, without excess. 
when the Bible says very plainly a bishop has to be blameless and not given to wine. Well, everything in moderation. Well, how'd that work out for him? I'm not being critical of him. I'm saying, how'd that work out? How how do you go from being an upstanding pastor to so drunk that I was in a woman's room and I can't tell you what happened? Well, God will forgive him. God will forgive him. But what about the stain? What about the challenge? What about now having to rebuild everything? The book of Proverbs talks about things that people will forgive, but it leaves a stain on a person's life. Proverbs chapter 6, you know where it talks about? It talks about uh, a man that's committing adultery. And then it says, you know, if a thief is found, men don't despise a thief because he steals to satisfy his own soul or to feed his family. He said, but he that commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. What does he lack the understanding of? That number one, that husband's not going to forgive you. And number two, you will get a blot. You will get a mark. I I know a minister right now. I'm going to say his name, and and I love his ministry. I watch it. I love it. Back in the 1980s, y'all will remember Jimmy Swaggart standing up on TV and repenting for his sin. Jimmy Swaggart has not committed, well, I don't know that he's not committed sin, but he's kept him his ministry clean and pure for over 30 years. His ministry is stronger now than it's ever been. But if you're absolutely honest, when you hear the name Jimmy Swaggart, the first thing you think of is adultery. The first thing you think of, even though you don't mean to. Right? Well, what happened? A door was open. You can't play with this. You can't play with offense. You can't play with wrong attitudes. You, 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 you can't play with being in and out. Things of the flesh, carnality. You got to put them away from you. Oh, hallelujah. You know, the Bible has, the Bible has nothing positive to say about alcohol. Nothing. Not one positive thing does it have to say. Read through the book of Proverbs. Who has sorrow? Who has woe? Who has redness of eyes? The drinker. You know, the Bible also has nothing to say, positive to say about offense. It says with offense comes uh, 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 every evil work. But it's a door. If Satan can get an idea or a thought into a person's mind to get them to believe something that's incorrect, it creates a stronghold. And you can name any any number of things. People talk about unconditional eternal security. You know, well, I'm saved and God understands and I just have unconditional eternal security. Well, that's erroneous. Live any way you want and still go to heaven. Mm Mm-mm. Live any way you want, still operate your authority. Nope. Live any way you want, still be able to believe God. Mm-mm, no. Won't happen. The thing with a life of faith is it's a pure life. I heard Andrew Womack say something one time. If you know Andrew, Andrew's straightforward, but he, he is grace personified. But he made a statement one time that never, never left me. He said, I live holier by accident than most people do on purpose. 
Because he's not saying you don't have to live holy. He's saying God has given you the power to live holy. What's Titus say about grace? The grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness. It teaches us, and it gives us the power and the ability. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he he said this thing, I besought the Lord three times, and the Lord said, Paul, my grace, my power, and my ability is sufficient for you. Was the enemy battering him? He was. Born in the flesh because of the abundance of the revelation. The, the, The deeper the call of God on your life, the more acute the attack becomes. And you got to recognize that. It's one thing to be called. I'm called by God. I have a call on my life. Everybody's got a call on their life. But if you've got a call to change people's lives and you've got a call to do things for God, the enemy will do what he can do to try to get through any door that you open. And the door that Paul, Paul, the door that the enemy was getting through in Paul's life was in the matter of public opinion. Everywhere he went, they were rising up against him and putting him in prison to stop the message from going forth. But the Bible says that Paul figured out the grace of God was sufficient for him and at the end of his ministry the thorn was gone and he said I preach to everybody nobody forbidding me you better watch those same things same thoughts same feelings same ideas that's the enemy he never changes the way he comes to you ever he just won't glory to God Glory to God. Amen. Look at, look, at, look at John 14. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and he has nothing in me. Now, this is so important. The Beck translation says, he has no claim on me. What does that mean? No doors open. No door is open. There's no claim on me. Am am I helping you all with this? When doors are open, it's right of entrance. It's right of entrance. If if the back door is open in this church, it's a right of entrance for anybody that wants to come in. Doors open. If I don't want that individual to have entrance, I have to shut the door. Jesus said, he has no claim on me. The Goodspeed translation says, the evil genius of this world. Amen. Well, he's not that smart. He stole the world. He came and deceived two people that were in perfection. 
that talked with God every day face to face. (laughs) But how did he get there? They left the door open. Don't let your pride blind you to think that what you have to do for God or what God wants to do through you is just something the enemy doesn't have any access to. He only has no access to it if you're denying him that access. Hallelujah. Dr. Les Summerall was in Africa, and actually in Hawaii. I'll tell the Hawaii story first. He was in Hawaii. He was there to build a full-powered television station in those islands. And he said, I was in my, bed, my uh, hotel room, and I was unpacking my clothes. And he said, all of a sudden, the hair stood up on the back of my neck. And he said, the most evil presence I had ever experienced in my life came in that room. And he said, I heard the, the devil say to me, I don't want you in these islands. You get out of here. And he said, I never turned and looked at him. I just said, I'm not going anywhere. You get out of here in Jesus' name. He said that presence persisted for about 20 minutes, and then it lifted. See, the enemy's looking for a way. I, I, I got to stop this. But what did he do? He, I'm, not, I'm not, but here's the thing. There was no claim on him. There was, there was no loophole. There was nothing the enemy could get to. Amen. When, when he was in Africa, and he was going through the, 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 that village, and he came up on that witch doctor that had a giant bullfrog, and, and he was pouring a mixture of blood and wine in that bullfrog, and then turning it up and drinking it back out of that bullfrog, and had all the people deceived. Dr. Lester Summerall went up to him, laid hands on him in that village, and commanded that demon to come out of him. That witch doctor fell over with a thud. The demon was gone. He got up. He gave his life to Jesus, was filled with the Holy Spirit, That night in the missionary's home, Dr. Summerall was laying in his bed, and he said the curtain stood straight out. He said the temperature dropped in that room, and my bed started vibrating and and bouncing off the floor, and he said it bounced all the way back over in the middle of the floor. And he said, I sat up, and I said, I recognize you. You're that demon that I cast out of that witch doctor today. You get out of here. And he said, the temperature went back to normal. The, the, the curtains came down. And he said, I laid down and put my head on the pillow, and it hit me. My bed's out in the middle of the floor. And he said, I sat up in that bed, and I said, devil, get back in here. I'm telling this for a reason. He told him to go. Now he's telling him, get back in here. He said that he came back in, curtain stood out straight, temperature dropped in that room, and bed started shaking. He said, I believe that when you came in this room, my bed was against that wall. Put it back. And the bed went over against the wall, and he said, now you can go. You, we tell those stories, and we should tell them. You don't do that if the devil's got a claim on you. You see that? There's a confidence when you're dealing with the enemy when you know the door's shut. Because when the door's open, you can never be sure what's going on. Why, why, right? We, We face attacks of the enemy without the door being open. But when the door's open, it's more severe. 
Oh, glory. If we give him entrance, he'll come in because he takes the path of least resistance. A thief checks the locks. And if a window's open, he'll come through the window because it's the path of least resistance. The Lord told Pastor Caldwell, if you always do things the way I tell you, Satan will never get into your church. I'm doing things the way God told me. The devil will not get in our churches. It will not happen. Hallelujah. And I'll just tell you, there's things the Lord's been telling me to pray against, and I've been praying against them. And in, in this body, number one is indifference. The Lord's been having me pray against indifference, that the enemy will bring indifference. Well, if I'm there, fine. If I'm not there, fine. That's it. Indifference is a mindset that it doesn't matter to you one way or the other. Amen. And I realize people have things going on. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But here's the thing. Well, if I'm there, fine. If I'm not there, fine. I can watch at home. I can do this. That's indifference. Watching at home is good, and if you can't be here, that's wonderful. The emphasis is if you can't. It's, it's good if you can't. But the best is if you can, you're here. Because, because it's not just coming and sitting under the anointing, which is pri of primary importance. The Bible says that as you sit with other believers, you are built up, you are edified, you are encouraged, you are sharpened, you are, you're they're able to cheer you on. Indifference says, well, if I can, I will, and if I can't, I won't. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? I've been praying against offense. Against offense. Offense is a killer. Offense will dry you up. Offense will make you look at somebody that loves you with all their heart and make you think they don't. People get divorces over offense. The person that they love with all their heart, they get offended at them, and they get a divorce. Amen. I've been praying against disunity, a lack of unity. Been praying that we'd all have one mind and one voice. I'm telling you this for a reason. Those are doors. Those are doors that the enemy tries to come through, tries to come into a church through. And people say, well, there's, there's you know, uh, uh, I've run into pastors and said, nobody's excited about church anymore. Doesn't seem like they're excited about church anymore. They're indifferent. Over the past two years of a pandemic, they've been told so much that they can work from home, that they can do everything from home. You can order groceries from home. You can order clothes from home. You don't have to ever go out of your home if you don't want to. So it just falls into the line of reasoning. You can go to church from home. No, you can't. It's not just about being in church, being physically in the building. You can't be assembled together if you're not together. But see, the enemy will take the path of least resistance. Understand something. This pandemic was not about America. It was about the church. 
Hallelujah. And, and you can do whatever you want to do with it. There's an ease coming to America. The, Lord, the Lord's been talking to me about it, and, and I'm seeing it. There are good things happening, but we have so many conspiracy-minded Christians and so many knee-jerk reaction Christians that they can't even see what's going on. And they're so, they're so determined to have drama, and they're so determined to have all these things going on, and they're so determined. That I, I saw an article the other day. The preppers were right. This is a Christian magazine. The doomsday preppers were right. No, they weren't. I'm helping you today. It's a, it's a loophole. It's a loophole. Glory to God. Satan lurks. He looks to see if he can get in. How can I get in? How can I do this? If, if, if he can't destroy through lies and deception, he'll try the wrong doctrine, bad doctrine. He'll turn the church into, uh, make the church look like a nut. Don't you go get that vaccine. It's the mark of the beast. I'm not, do you know how stupid that is? Do you know how stupid that statement is? It is stupid. What does the word mark mean? It means an engraving, an etching, something that can be seen. You study it for yourself in Revelation. Where does it say the mark will be? In the right hand or the forehead. Not in a chip that they injected into you through a virus that nobody can see. It's something that can be seen. Now, I don't know who got a vaccination and who didn't. I don't care. But I would gather if there's 10 people in here that were vaccinated, I'll bet some of y'all got it in your right arm and some of you got it in your left arm. The Bible says it's got to be the right hand or the forehead. Now, you do whatever you want to. If you believe it's the mark of the beast, Fine, God bless you. I'll see you in heaven. But it's still stupid. Because it divides. It gives the enemy a loophole. It, it, it gives preachers fodder to talk about other ministers. I'm helping you today. Don't mess with strife. Don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. You need to stay away from strife like you would a rabid dog. Stay away from it. Don't, amen. Don't, don't, don't. It, it opens a door. Don't criticize. Don't criticize. When you criticize somebody, you're saying that you have, you have all of the uh, uh, necessary, all of the necessary qualifications to judge that person. You're saying, I'm the expert. And it opens a door. That's why I was saying earlier, well, I would never do that. You never do that. I can stand up here without a doubt and tell you that I would never commit adultery. Never. I'm going to go to hell for that. I can stand up here and tell you I'd never lie to you. I would never lie to you. I'd rather you slap me in the face than lie to you. I would not lie to you. Amen. There's other things I would not do because I've shut that door. Right? Right? But when I start saying, look, I would never do that, and I would never do this, and I would never do this, but I would never do that. You follow me? Well, what about hold resentment? Get upset with somebody. 
Mm, let me move on from that. We like what we would not do. He said, the prince of this world. Now look at John chapter 12. Am I helping you? Give no place. Pastor, I want you to teach on covenant more. I will as soon as we get done with give no place and the character of Christ, and then we'll, we'll go back. John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Notice, Jesus defeated Satan. Now, I'm saying this for a reason. Satan is a defeated foe. The enemy is put underfoot. That tells us something. He's already defeated. He's already put underfoot. So that tells me that for him to have access, I got to hold the door open because he's defeated, right? The Lord, remember the Lord told me when I wrote the book, Refusing the Care, I taught on this the first Sunday morning, and the Lord said, when you carry care, you prop the door open for everything else the enemy wants to bring in. Now, who's propping the door open? Me. Through what? Carrying care. Is that right? The last enemy put underfoot is death, and Jesus has the keys and Authority over death. Death has no power over us. We'll just simply pass through it. Death has no ability to hold us. Look at John 16. Satan's end is sealed. He says when the Holy Spirit has come, that he will convince the, the world Reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. Sin because they believe not on him. Righteousness because he goes to the Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. In other words, he's already been judged. He's not going to be judged. Read, read the book of Revelation. It's, it doesn't say he'll be judged. It says he will be bound. First of all, for a thousand years, and then he'll be released, and then after a thousand year reign of Christ, he'll be cast into the lake of fire. He's already been judged. It's already over. His end is sealed. We know he can't be saved. Amen. Now, why is this important? So we're dealing with a defeated foe whose end is already sealed who Jesus said that his powers would not prevail against the church. But yet he's getting in. Yet he's causing people problems. He's defeated. He has no power over us. Right? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 because the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, partook of the same, that through death he might destroy, paralyze, strip, disarm the devil. And there are believers, you know and I know, they shout about that. Woo, the devil's disarmed. Woo, the devil has no power. Woo, the devil's paralyzed. Woo, boy, the devil's fighting. 
I don't know why. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that happened. I just, the devil, I guess. I thought he was defeated. I thought he was paralyzed. I thought he was stripped. I thought he was disarmed. I thought he was judged. I thought he had no authority over you. I thought when you said get, he had to get. But if you say get, and he goes, the door was open. Get! He leaves, and you don't shut the door. He's coming back. I was running one day, I think it was around 2017, 2015, and, and, I, and I saw a vision. And I saw this, this like this little hobo. You remember the, the there used to be an old clown that, that dressed like a hobo. I forgot his name. Okay? But, but, but you, you understand? You know who I'm talking about. Very famous. Had that sad look on his face. And I saw this demon walking, and he looked like the typical hobo, and he had a little pack on his back. Oh, he looked so sad. I want to say he just looked immensely evil, just there was an evil presence about him. And I saw him walk up to a house, and he knocked on the door, and the Lord spoke to me, who was narrating this, and he said, this is the house of a believer. And he knocked on the door, and the believer came and opened the door, and he went in the house. The door was shut for a little while, and in a minute, the door opened, and they ushered him out. And the Lord said, they have cast down the imagination. But I noticed something. He came out the door, and he didn't leave. He just stepped to the side of the door. And every time the door would open, he'd go back in. That's how he works. He's defeated. See, inside my home, I have the authority to unlock and lock open or close the door. Amen. What I hope you're seeing is if we say he can't just do this, why is he? What, why is that happening? Because the door's open. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at John 18 and 36. Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence, not from here. Even though the devil is the God of this world, he has no authority over us. Not our God. See, this is where I got to recognize that. I got to. Rec- I've, I've told people for years. I've told men for years about about their devices, about different things that they use: phone, iPad, computer. You need to put some kind of filter on it. And people will say, "Well, you know," but that makes me feel weak. Now, listen, the the filter is not going to stop you from finding what you want to find. It gives you the time to think about it. When that, when that, when that, when that warning shows up and goes, you can't, you can't search for that on this. What's that do? That gives you a moment to go, oh, I got to get away from this. See, you haven't sinned yet. You follow me? Hallelujah! It it gives you a moment. When you start feeling that same feeling, that same, you hear that same voice, 
sense that same thought. Stop! Because he's taking you down the same road. And the destination is not going to be any different. And his ultimate goal is to get you back where you started. That's his ultimate goal. Mm, Got quiet in here. Well, he can never get me back down there. You keep leaving the doors open. Amen. If, If you go into the devil's territory and you play around, you're foolish. You cannot play by his rules and win. That word adversary, Satan means adversary. In, in the, the, the newer classical Greek, the koinonia Greek, it means an adversary in a courtroom, like a, 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 an adversarial attorney. What it meant in the classical older Greek was an insane man on the verge of murderous insanity. And there are people that you know and I know that are sitting down with a murderously insane person trying to make a deal with him. Not going to work. Amen. Notice. The, the woman that called Ramah, she called Ramah one time, minister that was working on the, on the line there, and she called Ramah, and she said, uh, uh, I, just want, I just want you to pray. And he said, well, well what, what's going on? And she said, I got mugged today. I got beat up. They knocked me in the head and took my purse and just beat me up. And I want to know why. I confess Psalm 91 over myself this morning. No evil will befall me. I want you to tell me why that happened. And he said, it just came to him. He said, I didn't know. I was just, I, I was green. And he said, it just came to me. And I asked her, I said, uh, well, were you led to go down there? And she said, well, no. Matter of fact, kind of had a feeling I shouldn't go. Now think about that. Is Psalm 91 true? Is it true that a 1,000 will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you? Absolute truth. But what if you're about to go somewhere and you're quoting Psalm 91 and the Lord says, don't go, don't go, don't go. And I persist in going. I open the door. Glory to God. Look at Revelation 11. I'm hurrying a little bit. Revelation 11. I know ministers that can preach the paint off the walls and they won't close doors. Your anointing will not preserve you in an attack from the enemy. My anointing is for the office I stand in. My authority is for the life I live. And I can't ever misunderstand that and think because I'm anointed, I'm operating authority. I can be anointed and not operating authority. The best of both worlds is to do both of them. But the devil doesn't flee because I'm anointed. The devil flees because I've been given authority. 
And you can be anointed and open doors and your anointing's of no use to you and your authority's of no use to you. Amen. If the police come to your house and you had a um, restraining order against someone and you called them and said, hey, this person's back in my house and they showed up and they said, well, how'd he get here? Well, I invited him over. Do you know there's nothing they can do? Because you violated the order. What, what, is a, what does a restraining order mean? You cannot come near me. Is that right? Who is in charge of that restraining order? The judge that gave it? The officers that will enforce it? Or you? All power in heaven and earth, has been given unto me. Now, in light of that, you go and you cast out devils. Is that right? Who is the authority given to? Us. To do what? Cast out devils. Expel demons. Stop them from coming around. So what happens if I, with that authority, am sitting in my recliner with the door wide open? He's just going to come in and do what he wants to do. Because you have authority, you set safeguards up in your life. Revelation 11, verse 15, notice this. And the seventh angel sounded, there were great voices in heaven, saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. One translation says, the kingdom of the world has come into the possession of our Lord and his Christ. There are no kingdoms of this world that will last and exist. King Jesus' kingdom will be the only one. Amen. Look at Ephesians 2. I'm going to get this across to you. Folks, I'm, I'm, I am... I am I am probably more determined about this than I've ever been in my life. Hallelujah. You, 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 you can't dabble with those things of the flesh and carnality and wade around in that pool and think it's not going to affect you. Amen. I, and, and to some people, that seems legalistic. But that's okay. There are things that you can't be given. You, the Lord said to us in 2022, there are things you cannot be given your mind to because you'll start thinking that way and then you'll start talking that way and it will be established to you. Amen. Ephesians 2, 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. That word course, you walked according to the course in that period or that interval of time. Notice, where in time past, you walked, you did. You don't anymore, you did. Amen. The sin that runs the world system has affected the earth. Amen. The earth was never designed to go through what it's going through. 
The, the earth was never designed for a winter or dormancy. That was never God's plan. God's plan was that it be perfect like it is in heaven. The, the world has just been surviving for a 6,000-year period of time or more now. We don't walk according to the prince of this world. Or the course of this world. If the world wants to get angry, they get angry. If the world wants to be offended, they get offended. If the world wants to go pop a top and drink a six-pack, they go do it. If the world wants to live however they want, they go do it. We are not of the world. We don't walk according to the course or the, or the manner of this age. None of us. Amen. That, that, that's, that's off limits. Glory to God. Folks, think about this. Think about who it's affecting. Think about who it's affecting. I don't care who you are. If you walked into the restaurant and you saw me and my wife sitting there and she had a, a glass of Chardon Blanc, and I had a Coors Light, you're just going to have a problem with it. It's my pastor. What's he doing drinking? I hope that's what you would think. And it would affect your following me. How can I tell you not to live after the flesh if I'm living after the flesh? There are standards that we hold ourselves to. I'm almost done. Just bear with me. A standard that I learned years ago was this. My pastor looked at me, and he said, the greatest thing you can do as a pastor is walk in love and stay above the fray. I don't care what other people are doing. I've had people get upset with me because I won't get political. Look, I don't care what you're doing. I'm going to walk in love and stay above the fray. i got to preach the gospel. Politics are not gospel. I want, you to, I want you to be free. Amen. Glory to God. In 1 John 2, 15, and, and 15 through 17, he talked about the world is passing away. Well, the world is this system. It's passing away. This world will pass away. The church, the believer, is here to preserve it as long as necessary to gather the harvest. We are salt and light. We preserve the earth and show the way until the harvest is gathered and Jesus can return. Oh, hallelujah. In 1 John 3, 1, I just want you to see this real quick. I'll paraphrase the rest of what I have. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Now, get a hold of this next phrase. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. Brother Dave, can you show me that in the Amplified Bible? This is important. This is important. See what an incredible quality of love the Father's given, shown, bestowed on us that we should be permitted to be named and called 
and counted the children of God, and so we are. The reason the world does not know, recognize, acknowledge us is they don't know, recognize, or acknowledge him. The Bible calls you an alien for a reason. Amen. The world doesn't know us, and the world doesn't like us. You just settle it. The world doesn't like you because you're light and they are darkness. And what did the Bible tell us in 1 Corinthians? What fellowship has light with darkness? Zero. When I do things that the world does in the sense of, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going to a ball game or a movie or something of that nature. When I get involved in things that the world's involved in that are, opens a door for the enemy, I'm, I'm trying to mix light and darkness. And it's, 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 like, it's like trying to put concrete on iron. It's not going to work. Will it work? You work in concrete. Will it work? If you've got an iron wall, can you put concrete on it? It'll just slide off because the molecule, am I right? They won't bind. Is that right? You'll never mix light with darkness. And when you take light and you submit it to darkness, darkness will overcome it. I didn't say when you take light and go into the dark. When you take the light that you are and you submit it to darkness, the darkness will overcome it. Why? Because you're submitting your light to the darkness. Mm, hallelujah. Look at Romans 12, 2. This will be our last verse. This is important. You, do you remember what the Bible said? And, and you can probably quote this. It says, he that knoweth to do what's right and doesn't do it, what's it say? To him it is Is that right? So if you know the Bible says, walk in love and don't criticize, and you do it, what is it? Right? If I know that the Bible says, don't let my good be evil spoken of, and yet I don't worry about it, what is it? What's it? Oh, that was quiet. That was really weak. What is it? Sin. Every man, every woman, every husband, every wife, every mother, every father, I have a responsibility to keep the door shut in my home. What is done, what is, what is watched, what is allowed, what is listened to, it's my job. If it's darkness, it's not coming. Now, that's in any area. That's keeping strife out of my life. That's keeping offense out of my life. Not just between me and my wife, between me and anybody. I'm not bringing it home. If, if I get into strife with Brian, I'm going to take it home. I can't help but take it home. Because he's my brother. And the Bible says that two can only walk together if they're in agreement. He needs my agreement and I need his agreement. 
And the Bible says if I do that which causes my brother to stumble... See, these are doors that people open. You may or may, there may be something you're opening or not. This is preventive medicine. I don't know who's doing what, but here's what I know, is if if I don't keep the door shut, and it's subtle, it's subtle, well, this won't matter. It will, it matters, because it opens the door. See, that's why people will will say, well, is smoking cigarettes sin? Well, whether it's sin or not, why do you want to open the door? At the very least, it's an act of the flesh. It's evidence that your flesh has some control over you. Amen. And you know that little pinch between your cheek and gum, that's the same stuff. Yeah, but I won't go to hell for it. But how, 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 how damaged will the power you say that you possess be? Could it be our children don't exercise their authority because they don't see us walking in ours? I'm, I'm telling you, the, the, the truth of the matter is that when we begin to say, I'm, when we begin to say, I'm not going to be indifferent about this. This matters. I say, this matters. I'm not going to be indifferent about this. Well, I, you know, I watched that show, and, and, you know, they only cuss three times. I'm not indifferent about that. My ears are not garbage cans. It opens doors. There are words that you can hear. And you can only think one thing when you hear the word. And you don't want to be thinking what that word produces. But there are people that will go and say, well, you know, it's, I mean, it's, what do you expect? If you're going to watch the TV nowadays, you got to have that. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, 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 I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. The plan of God's at risk. The plan of God is, is at risk. And I'm not going to do that. Did you find Romans 12, 2, we're done with this? Notice, and do not be conformed to this world. Is that a request? It's a command. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Now, I'll close with this. You might have to humble yourself. You might have to go to God and humble yourself. I don't need to know. Nobody else needs to know. God needs to know. Okay, I've been opening the door here. I'm not going to do that anymore. Amen. And whatever it means, whatever Lord, whatever it means, I want your plan. I want your plan. I want your plan. There are people, there are people that you know and I know, they would give their, as my grandmother used to say, they would give their eye teeth to be able to be doing for God what you're doing. Don't you take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. If God's asked you to do something, don't take it lightly. It's crucial. Your part of what God wants to do in the earth is crucial. And we're not going to whine about it. We're just going to do it. Amen. We are not to be conformed to this world. Why? Because we're not of this world. Satan, say this out loud, Satan 
is not my God. So I don't live according to His rules. Isn't that great? And, and, and that's how simple it is. You can see I'm folding my notes up and, and closing my Bible. That means absolutely nothing. But <laughs> makes you feel better, though. Amen. No, I, I do. We have to be done. But here's, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. If I know that, that's how I answer it. No, I'm not going to do that. You're not my, you're not, you're not my Lord. Have you ever had kids say that? My kids used to say that. You're not my mom. Tell their brother or sister. You're not my mom. In the very early fraternities, when I was growing up, remember this saying? Those of y'all that were born after the 80s, you don't know this saying. Somebody would tell you to do something, you'd be like, who died and left you, God? <laughs> See? All, all you 70s guys, you remember that. They even had T-shirts made of, who died and left you, God? But, but, but the point is, think about that. No, I'm, you're not my Lord. I'm not doing that. Yeah, but you know, you want to. Hey, devil, that's irrelevant. I'm not doing it, whether I want to do it or not. You're right. My flesh wants to do it, but I don't live according to the flesh. I walk according to the Spirit. I went to the Lord before and said, Lord, I really want to be mad at them. Matter of fact, right now, I don't like them. Look, I see all these looks like, I would never do that. But I went to the Lord and said, Lord, they, they've made me mad. I've even went to the Lord and said, I'm done. Watch me. I'm finished. Amen. And the Lord would remind me about their soul, about their life. Well, Pastor, I don't want you to ever be done with me. I have been. But we're still here. Hallelujah. I mean, Josh, I got to pray for him all the time. There are two wore out places in my office floor where I pray for Josh, especially. Now, I'm joking. Amen. Let's stand up today. But, but, but here's my point in saying that. So you can go to God and you can say, Lord, you know, my flesh would really like to do that. But I'm submitting that to you. And I'm not going to do it. Because of the authority that you possess. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I, I appreciate you saying that because that's, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit's trying to say. You know, I've, I've got to go over things from time to time 
and say, now, wait a minute. Like he said, the door's locked, but there's still an access portal, whatever it may be. And it's got to be gone. It's just got to be gone. And whatever you got to do, you got to call somebody, you got to, whatever you got to do, but the door has to remain closed because we give him no place. Hallelujah. So, Father, thank you today. Thank you for blessing your people. Thank you, Lord, in any areas, Lord, that they may see that there's a need to make adjustments. Father, I pray that we just make the adjustments. And, Lord, I just speak against the spirit of condemnation and shame. Father, you told the woman caught in the very act of adultery, Lord, that most likely stood before you in a very indiscreet manner. And you looked at her, and you said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, Father, we realize the power is found in that last phrase. Go and don't do it anymore. So, as a church, we just commit, Lord, if there's an area, a place, where the enemy's been sneaking through, We are going to go and do that no more. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, may you bless and keep the people. May you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Father, may you lift up your countenance on them and give them peace. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen.